Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we have a special guest uh, with us today, Harry Mosier, but everybody knows Harry. He's known worldwide to a great extent in the United States. He is the uh, founder uh, and uh, CEO, CFO, CMO of Eshoring Initiative. And uh, Harry's done really an amazing job uh, over the years in terms of reshoring uh, the topic of reshoring and actually being greatly responsible for a million jobs coming back to the United States uh, after they all uh, bamboozled and left. Um, Harry's got a, a bio that this is only a 30 minute show and it'll take me longer than that to uh, read, but he's been named uh, the man of the year, quality professional of the year. Um, what was your late latest one that I thought said that you were being indicted, but it meant AME, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the Association for Manufacturing Excellence. That's the lean organization. Right. Uh, they're their Hall of Fame. That's that's terrific. Do you, and do you get paid for all this or? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not much because you're only wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We should show that to people now. Yeah, this is there, the there, there manufacturing, is. manufacturing is cool T-shirt. And a anybody who sends me a case of reshoring that we did not know about gets a free manufacturing is cool T-shirt, which, of course, is made out of U.S. cotton and assembled and entirely sewn in the United States. You know what, Harry? I may have to get one instead of wearing a tie. I'll just <laughs> wear your black t-shirt. Right. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> Harry, uh, for those few people, and there's not too many, those few people who don't know who you are and don't, they don't know who uh, uh, reshoring initiative is. Uh, give us uh, the longer version of an elevator pitch. Elevator pitch for the reshoring initiative? Yeah, let's talk about that for a few minutes as to what you've been doing uh, and where you got your credentials to be talking about manufacturing. <laughs> Maybe I'll go historically. It's easier for me to think sure. of it. So, so uh, yeah, I, I went to MIT, got engineering degrees, University of Chicago MBA, uh, worked in manufacturing, been in manufacturing for 55 years. Uh, that's enough to gain some credibility. Uh, I uh, the, probably the highlight of my corporate career was uh, being the president of Charmi, the EDM company, which became Agi Charmi and now is GF Machining Solutions. And so I was president of that for uh, 25 years. It was a wonderful experience. We had, just had a gr great time and did you know, had a wonderful time with the product and the customer, wonderful employees, um, and then retired from that in 2010, founded the Reshoring Initiative, and it's a nonprofit, and the, the, the mission is to bring uh, uh, 5 million manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. to, to, to balance the, the $1 trillion trade deficit, which would require those 5 million jobs, which would be about a 40 that's four zero percent increase in U.S. manufacturing. So it's a it's a major challenge. <laughs> sure, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, not to play. Can you beat this or can you top this? I'm in 
manufacturing 60 years. So between the, the two of us, we got 135 years of um, tribal intelligence about this one aspect of our society, which is manufacturing, which is the most important thing this country's got going for it. Or, or, or maybe 115 years. Or maybe 115 if I knew my math. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Harry, so you now you now are uh, we're doing this. This is the first show. We're going to be doing this uh, monthly, last Thursday of uh, every month, uh, mm -hmm. until we can convince Harry that he's got a great audience out there, and they want to hear from him more than just once a month. But we'll talk about that, uh, Harry. So, Mosher on manufacturing. Tell us about it. Moser, Moser Manufacturing is the um, the effort that I have. I, at, at the moment, I've got uh, three or four articles, columns, and three or four magazines, like Assembly Magazine, SME, uh, Manufacturing Magazine, uh, uh, Fab Shop Direct, uh, Industrial Heating, uh, and, and every month, <laughs> Or every other month, typically an article comes out in each of those, and it, it deals with the subject of reshoring. Now, it's not always just reshoring, but it's often something that is critical to reshoring, such as skilled workforce, because one of the biggest problems we have is not having enough and well enough trained uh, skilled workforce in manufacturing. So, so we deal with reshoring and with the things that companies, uh, uh, communities, states, the federal government. Uh, what all of those consumers, you know, what all of those can do to to accelerate that trend, because that 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 five million jobs is is a lot to bring back, and I probably don't have more than another twenty or thirty years to get it done. <laughs> well, between you and I, that's uh, maybe forty or fifty years, if my math is right. Uh, Harry, the. Um, the issue that you brought up, which uh, is something that uh, my co-host, Tim Grady, who's not here today, um, we talk about all the time, and that's the skill gap, the retirees, the great resignation, um, the losing uh, people retiring, and so on. And it, it is a major problem. Uh, the country used to do... Uh, um, they used to have 40 million people in manufacturing. Now it's down around 12 million. Something um, like that, yes. Yep. So my math, that means we lost uh, 28 million. How's that for math? Uh, <laughs> we lost a lot. Yeah. We lost a lot. Uh, and some of it's been replaced with uh, automation, new technology, and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, I think that there are things that we should be doing that we're not doing or we're not doing a good enough job. You know, the business about kids going to college, you know, you got to go to college, you got to go to college and, you know, you got to get that $300,000 debt going before you get too old. <laughs> um, so, you know, parents play a role in that. Uh, I think parents need to be educated a little bit more about the potential benefit for manufacturing and having a career in manufacturing. Um, you know, if I had the choice between being an underwater welder and earn $150,000 plus versus uh, getting a college degree and wind up being a shoe salesman in Hans <laughs> shoes, 
I think they're out of business, but in any <laughs> event, it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. And um, there are many programs, and maybe you could speak to that, about the various programs that are trying to uh, cure, fix, enhance a lot of these issues. Okay. But just, just to build a little bit on what you said, there's, sure. there's a, a, a case that sounds sort of like that is Milwaukee Area Technical College. So it's a large community college in Milwaukee, uh, training, providing associate's degrees in technology, including manufacturing technology. Mm -hmm. And they are very proud of the fact that that is the second largest graduate school in uh, Wisconsin, because only Madison, the main campus of the University of Wisconsin, has more students who already have bachelor's degrees. So you've got hundreds, I'd say thousands of people coming back to Milwaukee Area Technical College to get an associate's degree in a technical skill so that they can pay off the debt that they got getting their liberal arts degree. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mean, that should be headlines in every newspaper in the country, I think. <laughs> so, so that's just one sort of anecdote that I think is, is very relevant. Um, when, you, when you come down to the, the fundamentals, I think what you were talking about was of you know, everybody being told they have to go to university. So the, 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 the actual role of guidance counselors in general is to tell each student what's the best university you can get into and, and then help, help them do that. Whereas it should be to help them find the best career that they can have. Combination of happiness, uh, stability, right. income, all those kind of things. And, and, and I attribute it, I'm certain that a lot of it is the, um, the the strength of the university industry you know we talk about the defense industry well the university industry i think is much stronger than the defense industry because they've done such a good job of getting everybody to go to university even though about half of them drop out and never get the degree and the and, and wind up with all the debt but then you say well, why does that happen how do they get that strong and, and i blame a lot of it on the u.s government so back like eight years eight nine years ago i I was called by the Labor Department to come down to Washington and explain to them how to get ready for reshoring, for the surge in jobs that were going to be required by all the reshoring. So we're sitting there in the Secretary of Labor's conference room, and they said, they said, okay, Harry, tell us about it. And I said, well, I stood up and I said, well, first, the Department of Labor has stopped, got to stop being part of the problem and become part of the solution. And they said, what do you mean? You show us what you got. Okay. And I said, well, I, I thought that the Labor Department was responsible for the apprentice programs. And I thought they were responsible that we had the workforce we needed for the country to compete. And yet and I, I pulled up their, their website, one of a dozen that said the same thing. It's these bar charts that show income going up with number of degrees. I'm sure you've seen it. Yes. And, and that and it says, as you get more degrees, you make more income. And, and it's only degrees. And then, and then the headline will say million dollars more lifetime income with a, with a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. But I said, why doesn't this, why isn't there a bar right here in the middle, right next to the bachelor's bar, showing that those who pass an apprenticeship make just as much money as those who, who've, who've gotten the bachelor's degree? Oh, good idea. <laughs> I had to come down and tell them this. You know? And they, 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 they got fairly close to what I wanted. But there's still dozens of, of their education department and labor department websites that say the exact same thing. And then everybody quotes them. Then, then you see the, you know, um, 
people, article after article saying if, if everybody went to university, they'd make twice as much money and the, the economy would double. And, and they ignore the fact that the um, that, that about 30 uh, percent of people with university degrees at any time are in jobs that do not require a university degree. They're, they're just Starbucks. They're the future. And, and they also don't say that that million dollars higher income, that something like two thirds of it is due to the socioeconomic background of the student. In other words, Phil or Sue would have succeeded no matter what they did and not specifically to getting the college degree. So they, they completely misinform or at least they don't give all the information they should give. And if they gave all the information and aggressively gave it, I'm convinced the guidance counselors would change the story. The parents would change their perspective. And it would be a lot easier for us to get a lot of smart kids to enter the programs. Well, it wouldn't be the first time, and I agree with you, it wouldn't be the first time that our government made mistakes. But that's a oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. They make mistakes repeatedly. They follow suit with what the last guy what the last guy did as far as a ridiculous idea. And they, they don't, they just try to keep on doing the same thing over and over again. And I'll give you a perfect example. We now have tariffs against a lot of countries. There's not one tariff out of the 12 major ones that we've had over the last 20, 30 years that was successful. Because what they don't tell the people is that, for example, the Chinese steel tariffs. The people who pay the tariff is not China. Mm -hmm. I'm paying it. Mm -hmm. You're paying. Everyone is paying for the tariff. And it's not explained right. And, and I also blame the media for not explaining it correctly. So that's, uh, that's a serious problem in itself. Yeah, I, I would nuance what you said just a little bit. And, and that is that um, it, it has not the steel tariffs have not worked out well because the companies like yours that buy steel wind up are now paying i know 20 30 percent more for steel than a company in germany or, or china or somewhere like that and therefore although the tariffs have helped the steel industry it has hurt the people who use steel to make things correct okay? so so the so you could say that's a problem with tariffs okay or or, or what i would say it's a problem with not enough tariffs, because if the tariffs applied universally to the steel and the products made out of steel and to every country, in other words, if we had a value-added tax, which all, almost all the other countries have that applies, a let's say, a 15% tariff to everything being imported into the country, if we were uniform like that, then, then I think you, if you looked at it, you might say, well, that's pretty good because that's helping me compete with the imports. And, and it would certainly help me <laughs> get those five million jobs that I'm that's trying right. to get. So, that's right. so I'm, I'm just I'm taking it just a, I, I, the way it was done. I agree, didn't work, but I think there is a way to make it work successfully. Uh, but no, nobody in the government has the guts to go out and do it. Well, not only that, uh, they got their hands full. You know, the last two and a half years with uh, COVID and. Uh, uh, skill gaps and uh, manufacturing in itself. And now we have a, a war uh, going on uh, that uh, could conceivably go on for a while. Uh, one of the things that uh, I look at in terms of the Industrial Revolution in the 1890s, mm -hmm. that event brought us to where we are. 
We brought over millions of people, put them in jobs, trained them, they invented things and so on and so forth. I don't feel as though that we've got an immigration policy that works either. And uh, matter of fact, uh, as recently as now, uh, and people leaving uh, the Ukraine, uh, people leaving Russia, uh, maybe we should be looking to bring some of these talented people into our country. You want 5 million? Well, you brought in a million, so we're, we're up to four, you got 4 million to go. Uh, they just, they just um, immigrated 4 million people into Poland and Romania and so on and so forth. Yeah. That's a lot of people. And, and, and since Ukraine was essentially a middle developing country, it's somewhere between developing and developed, the, they, I'm sure they have a lot more people with the technical skills that we need than proportionally than we do, because I'm sure they've done more, they're doing more manufacturing. And so I'm entirely in favor of right now that the US tends to bring people in because they're relatives of somebody or because they're a hardship case or there's a problem in their country. And you probably should probably have to do some of that as, as a humanitarian thing. But in addition, you need to bring in the people that have the actual skills, the tool makers and the welders, physicists, you know, mathematicians, what have you. But but you have to you want to raise the average competence and skill level in the country, uh, if nothing else, to have the product, the production and the wealth that will pay for those poor ones that you bring in that don't have any skills. Right. Yeah, we do almost all the poor ones. And, and not 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 the skilled ones. Whereas Canada, for example, you come to Canada, you got some skill, you got something they need. They say, sure, come, if you're not a criminal or something, they, they let you in. And so and for the U.S., it would have been so easy 20, 30 years ago when we were so, so dominant and so strong and so clean, so to speak. And, and our yeah. image isn't quite as good as it used to be for, you know, for various reasons. And the and so it, it wouldn't it, it'd be harder now. But I'm still convinced if we open the gates to the to the people with skills, we'd get hundreds of thousands of them ready to come in and ready to take take on the role. Absolutely. And and if and, and any anybody who's working in Starbucks and says, "Well, that keeps me from being an engineer," I say, well, <laughs> "Go get the go get the degree, <laughs> or, or, or become a tool maker." <laughs> you know, it's funny. This morning, uh, driving into uh, our facility, I was listening to the news, and they were talking just about what the United States should do in terms of the immigration issue that's occurring. And that maybe we need to uh, jump in and take some of the pressure off of other European countries and bring in Ukraine, mm -hmm. bring, yep. bring in the good Russians uh, and you know, start building from within by using people from the outside. And, and it, I think it's so important, for, if not from a humanitarian standpoint, but from a, a necessary, necessary pinpoint to add to our manufacturing successes. No, no question about it. Most economists would say, if you want the GDP to grow, there's two factors that make a difference, the number of workers and the productivity of the workers. Right. And you put those two together, that tells you that tells you what your output's going to be, what your GDP is going to be. So if you want more GDP, more GDP per 
per citizen and you want especially as as you and I <laughs> get older and become somewhat less productive uh, you know as as that happens you need more of these younger people with the skills and the enthusiasm to come in and and, and make make the pie bigger so that to otherwise sure. otherwise social security medicare federal debt you know all this stuff is going to collapse eventually so you you need you need to to strengthen the core uh, if like some, someone said uh, the center must hold or something there's something from you know one of those wars the center well, the center is manufacturing and the center must hold this manufacturing must be strengthened and if americans don't want to do it then bring in the people that that want to do it and bring them in here and put them to work <laughs> you know one of the problems we have of course is the uh the immigration system and we have this uh, diametrically opposed political system that we have now uh, which unfortunately um, they fight against each other over yesterday's weather yeah silly stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Stu stupid stupid stuff and uh, I think that, uh, you know, they were talking again this morning about uh, immigration and you know, all the problems with immigration. You need this visa, that visa, the other visa. Why not take an exception? We have a humanitarian crisis going on there. We have a manufacturing jobless issue going on here. Solve the, both of them. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. They could do it. They could do it by noon today <laughs> I, I had somebody came to me from mexico uh two three years ago he was he was in the sewing and apparel industry and he had this idea to set up a chain of cut and sew so sewing job shops across the united states and hire the female illegal immigrants who had sewing backgrounds who had skills you know put them to work making the stuff that we're now importing because we import 97 percent of the apparel that we consume Right. Except my shirt, maybe your jacket, <laughs> and 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 they uh, and 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 after three years or four years of having no problems and working hard, they'd get the citizenship or a green card. So you pull them out of the shadows, it become tax-paying, productive citizens, balance the trade deficit. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good idea. Now, you know, I, I didn't know how to make it happen, but I thought it was intrinsically a good idea. Well, it is a good good idea, and uh, the the idea is still a good idea. Yeah, there's, there's, there's millions of people like that around the world that could we could help them, and they could help us. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, um, we don't have the political will that we need to make that happen. Yeah, and it's especially a thing we've learned, I think, from COVID and now and from Suez Canal and from. Uh, you know the the Russian Ukraine thing, and and from the possibility of of China decoupling and not shipping its products, is that it's absolutely essential for the country to be more self self sufficient. There's just there's so many things that we do not produce or or cannot produce in sufficient quantity that that some one or two of these disruptions happening could could totally devastate the economy. You know people would be I don't know what they do if they if they couldn't if you couldn't get clothing and you couldn't oh. get food and you couldn't get it would just be a disaster here. Well, to to your point again, uh, you know they they put the tariffs on uh, Chinese steel coming into the United States. 
we only import 8% of our steel from China. Mm -hmm. 8%, it's nothing. And I don't get it. And we, we the, the populist, the citizens, we're the ones paying it. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are, and you pointed out that there are things, uh, products, not only steel, but other things that we can't make anymore. Because we bought, we bought in and drank the lemonade about globalization from John Kennedy, who mm -hmm. started the whole global economy concept. Uh, and uh, uh, Bill Clinton also supported that significantly. Um, but he was the last president that we didn't have any debt. <laughs> well, oh, we had, we, no, we reduced the debt under him. We still had, oh, right, we right. still had debt. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But now about debt, about debt, my feeling and my idea about the national debt is it will never, ever, ever be paid off. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there's, there's an interesting, uh, do you know who Ray Dalio is? I know the name. Okay, he's, he's one, of the, one of the smartest people in the world. He's a uh, hedge fund, I, th I think, mm -hmm. uh, owner. Uh, billions and billions of dollars, and and he's he's written a, he did a video he wrote a book and now he's done a video on it that shows how empires, you know, civilizations uh, go up like this and they peak and then they come down, right? And, and go up and, peak, and and he and he he attributes most of the decline eventual decline to to getting too much debt, not being able to pay off the debt. And, and eventually the civilization collapses and then some other more aggressive, more thrifty, harder working group, tougher group comes in and takes over, so to speak. And he showed it happening to the Dutch, to the British and, and, and happening, it hasn't happened yet, but happening to us. And our, our federal debt is, has gone from 20 trillion to 30 trillion in the last, I don't know, four years or something like that. Right, right. And, and, and you could see, well, we had special service. Oh, there's always special problems, you know. And 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 so the <clears throat> so and most everybody I read says yes, they agree that it'll, it can never be paid off because the debt isn't even just that thirty trillion that's on the books, but it's the unfunded liability of Social Security, the unfunded liability of Medicare, things you and I both know about. <laughs> and there's all the states with their unfunded pension liabilities. You put all that together. And it's not 30 trillion, it's maybe $100 trillion effective debt. And, and there's no way they're going to earn enough money to pay that debt off. So, so most people, most of the experts would say they will inflate away the debt. So the debt, you know, if, if they owe you know, a trillion and if they get, if they allow prices to go up and wages to go up by a factor of five or 10, then if they continue to extract the same amount of taxes as a percentage of our income, it's, it's only a tenth as hard to pay that debt off. So, so the risk is, is severe inflation as a means of paying off the debt, or at least keeping the debt so that the country does not default. Well, we're doing a good job. We're at, what, seven and a half percent? Inflation? Inflation, We're doing a good job there. Well, that, that, that wouldn't be so bad if the dollar would come down a little bit, because an overvalued dollar due to being the reserve currency is one of the reasons that we're not price competitive and that it's hard to bring the work back to the U.S. So 
if the if the inflation would cause the dollar to come down. But the exact opposite has happened, yes. uh, partially because of uh, Ukraine and Russia, that that's caused a flight of of currency and assets into the U.S., which is the safe haven, and has driven the dollar up. They made us less competitive than we were otherwise. So we so you know. The, there's a bunch of things you and I would do if we ran the zoo. <laughs> well, I got my own zoo that I'm running, but uh, and and I don't know how big your zoo is, but uh, a, a zoo nonetheless. Um, I find that the uh, what is going to uh, go on is going to that's going to continue going on for some time. I don't think that we're going to see much relief. Um, even though you take the Institute of Supply Management, for example, um, who I'm sure you're most familiar with, you know, they say things are, you know, manufacturing is going to boom straight into 2023. And uh, I have to tell you that over the last uh, four to six months, my metal company, All Metals and Forge Group, has come a long, long, long way back from when the beginning of the uh, COVID pandemic started. So, but again, you're, you're right. It's an inflation-driven economy that we have right now. I hope some of that work that you've picked up is, is work that was previously offshored so that you can submit it to me and you can get uh, a shirt that you can wear <laughs> on a future uh, show. I, I do. <laughs> you know what? Uh, next month, August 31st, I'm sorry, not August, uh, April 31st, I'm moving things along. April 31st is your, your next show, uh, and I want a t-shirt. You gotta send the case in, you gotta document, you gotta you got work before you can, before you get lunch. Larry, it's me, it's me. We know each other almost 10 years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Something like we've met at many, many uh, conferences. I'm always delighted to see you at the trade shows and the conferences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm easy to find. <laughs> the yellow jackets are a, a brand unto itself. And yes, this is a U.S. made jacket. Congratulations. Harry, uh, th this has been a lot of fun. Uh, do you have any parting words for us? Yeah, to, yeah first, look forward to seeing everybody, you know, in future months and to working with you again, Luke. It's always a pleasure. Uh, basically, uh, we're, as we'll tell you in, in the future sessions, uh, we're here to help you uh, win by reshoring, to help you, your company, uh, either decide to reshore and be more profitable by doing so, more sustainable or to convince your customers to reshore and give you the business instead of uh, continuing to import. So, so think of this, I mean, I hope, I hope it's entertaining and that's great, but, but you know, the, the, the takeaway is that is for you to find opportunities to reshore inside your company or with your customers and for us to help you do that. And if we've done that, then, then this, is, this is wonderful. Well, you only have 4 million more to go <laughs> have done the first million and first million is always the hardest uh, <laughs> that being said uh, um, 
I look forward to uh, talking with you again next month. And uh, to our, uh, oh, let, why don't you give us your URL again? Um, yeah, so uh, either just look up Reshoring Initiative or it's www.reshorenow.org. Okay. And uh, everyone, I appreciate your joining us uh, on this new podcast called Mosier on Manufacturing. And uh, he's a good humorist also. He knows how to take a joke. Uh, so everyone, tune in. We've got uh, four, four shows now that we're running, and uh, including Manufacturing Talk Radio. So uh, give us a look up, listen to us, and we'll see you the next show. Harry, thank you much. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Lewis. It's wonderful again. Thank yeah. you. Bye bye. <laughs>